Hello, everyone, and welcome to an all-new edition of the Elite Beat, your source for all the AEW news, reviews, and previews. And this is going to be a shorty today because we don't have a Rampage. There, it's, it's a short week because we just recorded on Sunday, so there's really not much news to speak of. So really, we've just got Pop of the Week, Ratings, and uh, Dynamite. So why don't we get things going with uh, me, Megan, and Jenny with the Elite Beat Pop of the Week. All right. Here we have a Lidbot Regionaire, and it's a Sir Le Grand Marie. Marais. Marais. We've had this one before. It's delicious. Got some minerally goodness in it. The bottle is a little damaged. It is a little bit damaged. I I don't want to be drinking glass. So we'll see. We'll have to check the inside integrity of the bottle once it opens. Yes, yes. It sounded good. Yeah. How's it looking in there? Well, well, you invest. It's good. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, it looks fine. Great. Okay. Megan, what have you got? I've got um, a Boda box. Cabernet. Yes, it is something I have definitely drank and talked about before on Pop of the Week. But, you know, it's Thursday night. We're back to weeknights. So I'm drinking wine out of a box. That is my lifestyle. Welcome to it. It's a box lifestyle. Yes. Yes. As she pours sparkling wine into her Waterford crystal glass. <laughs> it's a true champagne, Megan. You're sorry. Sorry. I didn't make it bougie enough. <laughs> All right. Well, everybody, cheers. Oh, we didn't hear you open. Don't you want to like pour, like turn the tap a little bit? It's a box of wine. It doesn't make sound. <laughs> I'm sure you'll hear the you'll hear the tap go throughout the the episode. I'm sure. Cheers. Oh, I overfilled. I'm sorry. <laughs> we cheers, and then Andy is spilled out of his glass. Do you want to go wash your hands? No. All right, everybody. Cheers. Leap be pop the week. Thank you very much. Sorry, that that was a really good little sip. Yeah. It's very. It's very good. It's like. Fruity, but also like minerally. It's, mm. it's good. It's good. Not not sweet at all. It's good. And a good ASMR mouth sound for the people. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let us talk about the R-A-T-I-N-G-S. Ratings, ratings, ratings. Uh, they're okay. <laughs> that didn't sound encouraging. Viewership was up. Demo was down. Uh, they're up against a lot of basketball, both college and pro, yesterday. So um, the good news is they will not be up against. Um, well, Dynamite will not be up against the tournament. After I think Rampage this, this week, week. Is, is doomed at eleven thirty Eastern on a Friday night. So yes, but also that means that its lead-in will be a highly rated college basketball game. So it might, it might like even out. Huh? Okay. I mean, sure. I am sure there are some people that are just like going to slide from basketball into wrestling. Um, but I'm so tired at 1130. So I don't understand their lifestyle. Do you remember those people are going to be all hopped up on like green beer and. Do you remember? Yeah. 
Do you remember when uh, I think Dynamite was following? It was like a late night Dynamite that was following an NBA playoff game a couple of years ago, and like basketball Twitter was just like dunking all over Chris Jericho's appearance. Yeah, and I think it really affected him, as we'll talk about tonight. <laughs> but yeah, um, I thought they made that like the Scorpio Sky Show too. That was the last time they prominently featured Scorpio as like a solo person. So maybe he'll get to be the star on Friday too. Maybe he's not booked, but oh well, then no. Um, yeah. So uh, as written. By Paul Fontaine on WrestlingObserver.com with NCAA tournament play-in games and NBA basketball on ESPN airing head-to-head as competition. Dynamite fell to sixth on the cable charts in the key demo. Uh, The key to the 18-49 to drop was actually with women, which had been way up last week. This week, women 18-49 to dropped by 17.9% to a .23 rating. Um, Probably a really big drop in women for the last match. For the women's championship match? All that blood. Mm. It certainly dropped mm. me. Yeah, maybe. Anyway, so like I said, uh, so the demo is down a little bit, but the overall was up a little bit. It's, uh, I think it's probably fine. Anyway, Megan, let's talk Dynamite. St. Patrick's Day Slam. Whoa, jumping right into it. Yes, and today, as we record, it actually is St. Patrick's Day. Dynamite happened on um, Stone Cold Steve Austin Day, 316. Just want to point that out. All right. Happy Hmm. birthday, Dave. Because it's my birthday. Were you, was that an Irish accent or was that Homer (laughs) Simpson? That was very weird. (laughs) Can you at least, since my joke, not, it wasn't a joke, my, my, wow. All right. So, uh, they were at the Freeman Coliseum in San Antonio, Texas, and uh, they had 6,275 tickets out. Crowd was hot for some What do you things. want me to do? T- tell me what you want me to do. I wanted you to tell the Dave story so that it wouldn't, like, <laughs> we're going to have to cut this anyway. Oh, we're not going to cut anything. No. No. no this, this show's live to... there's not much there's not much the Dave story my friend dave's birthday is saint patrick's day he goes to an irish pub in uh in in town every every year uh for the morning uh a few years ago he was there and the like i don't know one of the local news channels was there doing a story on saint patrick's day as you do and the reporter asked like dave who's very who gets very dressed up for these things uh asked him like what he why why he likes saint patrick's day so much and dave said in a very offensive irish accent <laughs> because it's me birthday <laughs> there, that, that's the story i don't i don't know what you were expecting like it's not it's not that good a story <laughs> All right. Megan, that, was a, that was a good Irish accent, though. Good job for you. Uh, okay, so Dynamite at the Freeman Coliseum. Uh, we open strong, as Dynamites usually do, um, especially when you stick a six-man tag right at the beginning. With Adam Cole and Red Dragon going up against Adam Page and Jurassic Express. So it's the two Adams and their, their tag team BFFs, I guess. Um, 
Adam Cole pins Jungle Boy in the end of this thing. He does the boom. Um, but like it's a it's a very fun, you know, dynamic opening match. It's, it's a six man tag between six very talented people. So I I was into it. had had a good um good energy to kick off the show and uh the only sad part was adam page really really tried to make the save when jungle boy was getting pinned but kyle o'reilly held him back and adam cole stared him dead in the eyes as he defeated his friend jungle boy (laughs) the eyeball fucked him i really liked this match i thought it was very fun it had good energy sometimes adam adam's matches his style's not quite exactly what i love um, sometimes it's a little bit slower, but he picked up his pace for the hanger. Hmm? Hanger. Yeah, he's more like he's more like Broly. Yeah. For those who can't see it, which is everybody, because this is a podcast, Jenny just like just like jauntily swung her arms, like she <laughs> like jigging down the street like an Irish jig. Very seasonally appropriate, Jenny. It's true. Uh, I like this. They did a triple moonsault at one point off the off the uh, off the oh, corner. It would have been beautiful. better if the camera had caught it. The lo- the replay camera caught it. It was the second replay. They couldn't even get it on the first replay. Well, no, because they used the exact same I angle know. on the first replay. <laughs> they also did uh uh at one point a like double doomsday device where yes where they got Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole. Luchasaurus and Adam Page respectively got those boys up on their shoulders and then Jungle Boy he had to kind of like like tiptoe out further on the ropes than he usually does to then jump and like do the double double doom stay yeah. on them but it was cool yeah it was so cool and um when I, this match ended my friend uh Jeff Jacobs texted me and said trios titles now which is what he says every time there's a really hot six-man tag and he's right we need trios title. we need trios title. we need a formalized trios division in this company honestly there's enough six-man tag matches that let's just throw a belt out there because why not three belts in fact yes three belts uh let's give them that and let's let's get more six-man tags yes so yeah strong opener um, and then from there, we, we go backstage where Tony Schiavone is talking to, uh, Keith Lee. Apparently Keith Lee is going to face Max Caster on, uh, Rampage this Friday. And Ricky Starks and Powerhouse Hobbs roll up to this interview and interrupt to say that, um, you know, Starks in particular is pissed that Keith Lee showed up on his show, which is Rampage. Apparently, like, I guess Starks owns that now. I don't know. The I mean, FPW belt. I yeah, but like that to me, it's like you're a commentator. You need to step back. You need to let rampage happen in front of you. So is Chris Jericho, and he claims everything is his, and he doesn't even claim rampage is his. We will get to Chris Jericho, Jenny, <laughs> and all of his claims. But for now, I am appalled that Starks thinks rampage belongs to him, but he does, and so he tells Keith Lee, um, he's not happy that he showed up on Rampage and started doing things his own way. And that's why they had to attack him on Friday, Starks and Hobbs. And so Ricky says, <laughs> despite the fact that Keith Lee just had a match announced, Ricky says if he shows up on Rampage on Friday, Hobbs and himself will have to take care of uh, Keith Lee again. They're going to keep basically 
beating him down. And Keith Lee just looks amused and is like, whatever, I'll see you both on Friday. And then he walks away. So so does that mean they have no problem with Keith Lee fighting on Dynamite? I guess not, as long as he's not on uh, Starks' show. Hmm. That fake title belt has really gone to his head. Yeah. You know? So, yeah. I mean, Friday, I expect Keith Lee to, to lay down the law on these two. I mean, Powerhouse Hobbs is going to give him a fight, but Ricky Starks is about the right size to be tossed out of the ring, just like Orange Cassidy. So we'll see. But after that, we get an interesting little uh, video interlude, a quick one of Chris Statlander. And it's her, like, a super, super close up on her, and she's wiping off her makeup, kind of. I mean, she still has a little bit on, and taking out her alien eye contact. And I think that means she's getting serious, but I also wonder, is she... Is she no longer an alien? Is she converting to a human? What is going on here? It looks like it. Yeah. This must have been Jenny's favorite episode of Dynamite in quite some time because one of the big themes of this Dynamite seemed to be setting the table to pare down the roster of the best friends. (laughs) So this is her stepping away, you think? I mean, if she's like going... Heel-ish. I could see her being out, and of course we'll talk. We'll talk uh, Yuta later. But uh, is going human going heel? I don't know. She's not. She's not fun anymore. Mm. Well, she is fighting Layla, who is very clearly a heel. But she said to her that she totally got why her parents put her up for adoption, which is like yep. the most heel thing you could ever say to a person. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I uh... well, I'm I'm excited to have just the best friends. I mean, Orange Cassidy can be on the sidelines, but like, what about Danhausen? No. Oh, Jay's not going to like that. Yeah, Jay explained to you this week. He did. Why Jan Danhausen is so cool? Yes. Yeah. It was a well structured argument, and the it... fact that you're not acknowledging it is um. Even though no, 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 I'm fine. Here, here's what I propose. And Jay, hopefully this will appease you. <laughs> I think Danhausen and Orange Cassidy should be a little team. And then we can get the true best friends of Trent and Chuck back together. Mm. So let's do that. That way Orange has a little bud, an, an extra cool bud. I, I I understood Jay's points. I thought he made a very well thought out argument and I appreciated it. Yeah, he's, he's he's awesome. Yeah, I've just I've never seen or I've never heard Danhausen speak before. Oh, okay. So you just seen him like curse people. Yeah. Yeah. You, uh, now I know Danhausen had stuff going on prior to coming to AEW, but like, what is his ratio of wrestling to gimmick? Because he seems like he's done really well, just kind of shuffling around on the outside not really ever having to to physically interact. He curses people, sure, but he he has not had to like make physical contact with another wrestler yet. And and can we expect that to happen or is this going to be more of like a like a non-wrestler sort of role for him? It's unclear because he was he was in Ring of Honor as a wrestler and 
I believe he broke his leg <gasps> in a tag team match in November. And so November 26th is the last time that he wrestled. So it could just be that he is just waiting for his leg to fully heal up and then he'll wrestle or he could, they could just use him as a non-wrestler. Like, I mean, they used orange as a non-wrestler for the first several months of his being in the promotion. Yeah. And to be clear, I don't have a problem with that. I was just curious, um, having not really seen much of Dan Housen outside of this promotion, if he, if he did just kind of focus more on, on the out, side the ring work or if he was like regularly doing matches so i've never seen dan Housen wrestle but just kind of based on his cage match profile it looks like he was one of those guys who was wrestling on indies pretty much every weekend oh okay so he okay. gets booked a lot and he has matches so Okay, well, that'll be interesting to see then if he makes a transition in AEW and starts doing stuff. But I am also very happy just to see him kind of be Orange's friend and and help the best friends with his curses. Um, sure. So, yeah, we'll see how that goes. But um, Jenny clearly has a plan for the best friends, and it is paring it down to Chuck and Trent in the end. Sue can sh- chaperone and chauffeur. She has the minivan. It's got enough room for more than just Chuck and Trent. But best friends are two people. Okay. Okay. Well, we'll see the state of things that with, with that group. And, uh, you know, since Chris is going rogue a little bit, I mean, it's only appropriate that our next match um, further segments the group because we've, we've got Brian Danielson and John Moxley against... Chuck Taylor and Wheeler Yuta, who uh, the announced team said is standing in for Trent because Trent is once again injured, which makes me sad. Um, is Trent actually injured? I have no idea. Hope not. Yeah. I hope not. Um, but yeah, like when you look at this matchup, it's like, I love you, best friends. But Brian Danielson and John Moxley are literally out for blood. And so it's no surprise that they, they end up winning um john moxley actually gets to tap out wheeler yuda with the bulldog choke and that's like right after brian danielson does his famous uh kicking their fuck kicking his fucking head in um so i i think john moxley and brian danielson are like they're just like natural teammates they uh they seem to be tagging each other in very coordinatedly they they call out moves to each other to do so um as far as I can tell, they they work well together. Yeah, they're meant to be. They're my favorite tag team, and I don't know, like I guess probably since the last time the Young Bucks had a really great match. But <laughs> uh, no, they're amazing. Uh, Regal on commentary was amazing. Oh my god, he's a goddamn <laughs> delight on commentary. Him just repeatedly. Uh, referring to Excalibur as Masked Man. Him, (laughs) when Danhausen came on the scene, him saying, pray tell, man with the mask, who is that demon waif? (laughs) (laughs) I I was almost like, well, match done. Like, that's all I need. (laughs) This is incredible. That's all you're looking for. Yeah. He's so proper and and just sound uh, like, 
sounds delightful to listen to. And then also he just talked up his violent boys in a way that was so heartwarming, but also disturbing. Cause you know, he's talking about how good they are at being violent. Did you, did you listen to his talk as Jericho yet? No, I saw it came out and I was like, Oh shit, I need to listen to that. It is grim. Oh no. He's just talking about all of his health issues over the last few years. Oh boy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's yeah. going to make me worry. Isn't it? Well, he seems like he's doing better now, but it was, it was real bad. Like in 2018, I want to say. Okay. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think regal rules and he he's moving around like a champ, but the fact that he's in his fifties and sting is in his sixties. is like yikers. Sting is, I mean, I've decided that Sting is like the example you can't even use, though, because he's like he's like the exception that proves the rule for, you know, somebody his age. He wasn't 10 years ago. I think he really worked on himself in the last 10 years. Or maybe AEW is just a much better environment for him. Maybe. Could Mental be. health is well, a, a pretty strong component in the overall health. So I think that's that, true. That does something. But, you know, Regal, I just think he... Uh, I don't think he looks bad. I just think he looks like a distinguished older gentleman with, you know, the gray hair. And he's got a little bit of a tum going on. And that's okay. Um, but I, I think, think it's because I think it's because his hips don't work so good anymore. And he's, he's, it's hard to do cardio. Oh, no. That, see, that makes me sad. His hips do lie. <laughs> <laughs> so this match, aside from just being great, because we got to see the new best tag team ever just wreak utter destruction on the Chuck and Wheeler. It also, it also seems like this storyline that they're doing and the the way that they work this match really got Wheeler Yuta over. Yeah. At one point, like, uh, like they, it was near the end. So Moxie had taken out Chuck on the outside, so he couldn't help him. And Danielson was just, kicking Wheeler Yuta in the chest as he's like kneeling down and Wheeler was like he was taking it and he was like kind of standing up to it and the crowd started chanting his name which the last time I remember Wheeler Yuta being in the ring with Danielson um, and like I think it may have been a six man tag or a tag team but like the point was the crowd was cheering for everyone except poor Wheeler Yuta and this time <laughs> around like he got recognition like he did it and he did, I, and thank God, because, you know, if, if he hadn't, if that hadn't worked, what they did after the match probably wouldn't have worked either. So true, so true, and and after the match, um, you know, Wheeler Yuta was one of the men on the list that Danielson had, list, had said, like, when he was proposing to Moxley that they'd join up as, like, he's a young talent, he, he could be mentored, and so... Wheeler's walking away with the best friends. He and Chuck are both kind of holding their necks and backs and, you know, looking beat up. And then Wheeler, he he separates from the group. And he returns to the ring where Moxley and Danielson are just like, like Moxley's like, what the hell is this? Danielson is just having the time of his life, can I say? <laughs> he is grinning. I don't think it's all in character. I think he's just living his best life. Um I think his family I think, was behind stage too. That's right. Yeah. Brian, uh, Brian, Buddy, L- and little Birdie was doing interviews with everyone. They gave her a microphone. It was the oh. most adorable little thing I've ever seen. He must be yeah. so happy with like AEW. I, 
I don't think there's anybody. Well, maybe maybe Moxley, but like mm-hmm. aside from Moxley, I don't think there's anybody who is happier with their decision to go from one company to the other than Brian Danielson. He he just there is a lightness mm-hmm. about him when he's out there. He just seems so thrilled with everything. Yeah, he's a heel, but he's also just like he exudes like he's beaming with just mm-hmm. joy. Um so yeah, he's having a hell of a good time. And he just is so amused by the fact that Yuta gets into the ring. And um, Regal has walked out here to be with his boys. And Regal's like, oh, son, what are you doing? And Yuta sticks out his hand and is like, I want to join you guys. Like, I want to be part of this. And Regal, like, kind of chuckles and then just slaps him in the face. (laughs) The same way he did to Danielson, to be fair. This might be kind of the test. And Yuta stands up to him and is like, I'm not going anywhere. And Regal's like, you better leave. You better leave. And the best friends, the poor best friends are like, what the hell is this? <laughs> they look confused. Um, Yuta refuses to leave. But then Regal says, you know, you got to go. You got to go. And and Danielson and Moxley kind of come up. And so it's it's clearly three versus one. And Yuta's like, well, I'm going to be back. And Regal's like, oh, okay, that's good. That's good. But go now. Call him sunshine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gosh. Regal's the best. Um, so <laughs> Yuta does end up leaving, but but he said he'd be back. Regal looked perfectly fine with that. Danielson just grinning ear to ear. Moxley's like, okay, whatever. Like Moxley's kind of the one who's just like sullen over in the corner. Like, I don't really know what the fuck's going on. I just want to kill people. <laughs> um, so I I think maybe Yuta might be might be getting an initiation into the mentorship program there in the violence squad over you know with regal and danielson and moxley way better to be in that group than in jazz (laughs) (laughs) or to be like or just be like faking being a best friend right yeah wheeler's trying really hard to be a best friend but since trent came back he's been really mean to him I have to say. See, that's the other thing. That's the other thing. Like, He's if you, not Chuck's best friend. If, Why would Trent be nice to him? So that's He's the, posing to be Chuck's best friend. So that's the other thing. Like, if you are still following BTE, which Megan and I still watch, but don't talk about anymore. Um, <laughs> yeah, like, Wheeler Yuta is very badly treated by the best friends. And so I can definitely see why he would want to make this move. I felt so bad for him when on Trent's first day back in BTE. He was like sitting in a hotel on a bench and Trent came up to him and he he put his leg up like, you know, Captain Morgan or whatever. And then he pointed to all the icons on his pants and was like, this one's for Chuck and this one's for Orange and this one's for uh, Chris. And then he pointed to the like the poop emoji and was like, and this one's for you. <laughs> <laughs> and Wheeler's just like, what? <laughs> I'm like, oh, no, Tr- Trent, that's so mean. Um, Trent, but- that is mean. But that's if that's how Wheeler Yuta is going to get treated. I mean, I can understand why he wants to maybe seek other friends. So we'll see. But I love this tag team. I love the stable that Regal is inevitably going to build. I'm so excited. I love these evil boys. This is one of my favorite things that's happened so far in AEW. Yeah, me too. Very, very excited to see where it goes. 
on the other hand, we've got we've got other things happening with different tag teams, and uh, we we go to Tony Schiavone who is talking to FTR backstage, and I think this is like kind of trying to to put some logic around that really hurried interview from last week where uh, Tully got fired by FTR. So Tony asks about that, and Cash explains that they fired Tully because he obviously had lost focus on what was important. He was checked out. Yes, checked out. Um, so they, they just had to let him go, you know? And the Young Bucks interrupt at this point, and they're just kind of being dicks. <laughs> they're just here to say, no matter how many changes you make, FTR, you're always going to be the second best tag team in AEW. And they just, like, that's it. They pop in to be assholes, and then they pop out. And FTR's just like, the fuck? Um, so, you know, maybe maybe that rivalry is going to get started back up again. Maybe we'll get to see uh, another series of matches from them. I wouldn't be opposed to it. I mean, I thought they were they were pretty fun to watch. But Tully won't be around. Um, so, yeah, FTR's on their own, flying solo. So, is Tully going to go back to Sean Spears? I don't, I don't know. I don't know what's up with Tully. Um, I do know that the Young Bucks teased something pretty interesting in this promo because they said, they said no matter what manager you have, even if even if your manager is the best there is, it's not going to matter. And that, of course, is part of the nickname of FTR's favorite wrestler, Bret the Hitman Hart. Whoa. Best there is, best there was, best there ever will be. So if they're like going to do a big match where the Bucks and FTR have their like have their second ever match and Bret Hart's in FTR's corner, that would be fucking awesome to me. And actually, that's like a really kind of appropriate sort of teaser, uh, considering that the Owen Hart classic, or maybe I'm maybe I'm going WWE naming on that the Owen Hart cup whatever the owen hart tournament slash appreciation show is like that's the perfect time if you're gonna bring in brett for i assume temporarily because so that from what i remember tony khan saying the finals of that tournament both matches for the men's and the women's are gonna be at double or nothing so that would also be a good time to do a big Young Bucks versus FTR tag team match, like a big grudge match kind of thing. So I could see there being a lot of reasons for Bret Hart to be around during that time of year. Ooh, Double okay. or nothing is the next one, right? Late May, yeah. That's that's interesting and kind of exciting. I mean, I'm assuming Bret Hart wouldn't be like coming on full time or for an extended amount of time. I, I'm I don't in- think so. Yeah, I'm assuming more of like a sort of guest cameo sort of thing. Yeah, I, I think he lives in Hawaii now and is just like Whoa. pretty fucking happy. That sounds so. awesome. <laughs> he's got a wife who's like 30 years younger than him. You know, he's living he's living the dream. Oh, my God. <laughs> Good for him. I'd love to live in Hawaii. Yeah, geez. Okay, well, that should be fun, though. I mean, if, if he takes a little vacation from his I'm assuming beautiful island home. <laughs> then yeah. This this would be a fun stop on that. And FDR, you know, they they still have that claim to fame of like, I think it was Cash who just 
clock that dude in the face, the one that attacked Brett on stage. So they've got a reason to kind of team up. So that's fun. Oh, apparently he sold his house in Hawaii a few years ago. He's living back in Calgary now. Oh, Brett. It's It's so cold in in Canada. It's so cold. (laughs) Hawaii is so warm. Yeah, you're not supposed to move to the cold place when you get old. You're supposed to do it's like supposed to go an opposite way. Yeah, it, it's like if you're in Canada, then sure, Hawaii makes sense or, you know, any other warm place. If you're in the States, you naturally go to Florida because that's just that's what you do. Um, but yeah, like, why would you go back to cold ass Calgary? The wife is 26 years younger than him, though. So you were right on that. Sweet nice. Jesus. <laughs> Anyway, I would be really excited to see Bret Hart on TV for a little while. Sure. Yeah, I'm into it. Like, AEW handles legacy and, like, legend people pretty well. So I'm not not too upset by that. And he already appeared at the first Double or Nothing. Yeah. He revealed revealed the look of the, uh, the AEW championship, if I remember correctly. That's true. Okay. Did? Mm-hmm. I'm convinced that the Bucks don't do or say anything without thinking and putting meaning behind it. Maybe I'm yeah. giving them a lot of credit, but like that's a very specific phrasing that they use, like you said. So I'm just going to go ahead and expect this to happen. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, after that, we go somewhere where the acclaimed are hanging out and they're here to do one of their their usual spiels about you know how everybody loves the acclaimed and yo uh, yo yeah listen listen Listen. (laughs) everybody loves the acclaimed i fucking love the acclaim (laughs) i think bones is so good he's great he's great and you know what i'm coming around on max caster is just like a hype man for him I don't yeah. I don't know that I care so much when Max Caster is an individual wrestler, but I like when he's I, ringside for Anthony Bowens. I like it when he raps. So my favorite is when he raps and then Anthony Bowens has a singles match. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 So they're <laughs> they're here like trying to do their thing. And um uh, surprisingly enough, like out of nowhere, when Anthony Bowens is doing the, like, everybody loves the acclaimed and he does the hand signal with the, the A. Um, not the, not the, Stop. not People, the, not the scissors, that. not the scissors, um, with, with the A. And uh, Ricky Starks, just from the, like, off camera, kind of slides in and grabs Anthony Bowens' fingers and says, hey, it's, yeah, okay. But here's the important thing you need to do is you need to, to put Keith Lee down because um, Keith Lee is like taking my spotlight and I hate that. And the acclaimed are kind of like, what? Like <laughs> they, they have no context for this feud and they don't really super care. They just know that Max Caster has a match, but um, Starks is like, yeah, so we're pro you as long as you take out Keith Lee and then swerve Strickland shows up and he kind of laughs at, everything that's going on. he's like, you said that Keith Lee is uh, stealing your spotlight, but if anyone's going to be stealing spotlight here, it's going to be me. And then he does the whose house 
it's uh, Swerve's house call and response, and the crowd obliges. And then he just kind of laughs and leaves. Very, very little compared to last week. Well, yeah, I mean, you got to be in person there, Swerve. They didn't seem prepared for it. (laughs) There were a lot of people in that promo that kept going in and out. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of a lot of elements to this promo that I did not expect. I just really was expecting the acclaim to talk about how great they were. But um what it turns into is I'm assuming Starks is gonna have some sort of match with Swerve because they both have huge egos and it seems like they need to settle that. And then Max Castor is gonna fight Keith Lee and probably be shocked when Powerhouse Hob shows up to interfere in some way. But you know, we'll see how that goes Friday. After that, though, we have Jenny's favorite segment of the night. <laughs> it is the Jericho Appreciation Society coming to explain to us uh, just what exactly they've got going on. So um, Jericho is still using Judas, which I know Anthony, or not Anthony, not Anthony Bowens, Andy specifically called out last week as um, he should probably stop because he's going to be a heel. But uh, Jericho is proud of Judas. People are singing it. And then once they get to the ring, Matt Lee steps up and says, we should all thank Chris Jericho because he's the man who allowed them all to sing it. Uh, if it were up to him, he would not have, not have deigned to let the crowd sing along. Um, they are also dressed like a boy band. I have to say just, um, like, but not like it's, it's like a boy band that like, they didn't coordinate at all. Well, their bottoms did. Did they? <laughs> they all had white yeah. pants on, except for Jericho had black pants on. But only one had a blazer with no shirt on, and that was Jericho. Mm. No, Matt Lee it's also not... had a blazer with no shirt on. Oh, okay. It's not like the F1 Vanity Fair article, where mm. um, I think Super it's uh, Ocon. Like, legit just looks like a boy, but he has, like, a tie-dyed suit on that's, like, <laughs> just um, with no shirt. Like, they ran out of um, shirts, shirts. Them, apparently. Yeah, Excellent. these boys weren't Vanity Fair, but I will say, like, the 2.0 guys were on the, like, camera, like, left side of Jericho. No, I'm sorry. One of them was on the left with Hager. One of them was on the right with Daniel Garcia. And the the... Guys on each side coordinated their shirts in that, like, Matt Lee had a white jacket with no shirt and Hager had a white sweater. And then Daniel Garcia and Jeff Parker had black shirts. So, so they kind of did I don't that. know, I don't know who these, this Matt Lee and Jeff Parker were oh, talking about. You're right. Um, <laughs> in the Jericho Appreciation Society, there's no more stupid names from Bad Creative. So uh, apparently Matt Lee is Everybody now- uses their real names now. Cool hand something and yeah. got a penis something other. I don't know what, what the other one was. I did, not catch, other. I did not catch their fun nicknames, which apparently include penis. Uh, but... Uh, I guess their real names are Matt Menard and Angelo Parker. Uh, so that's what they're going by. So you didn't you didn't write down the nicknames? No, please. I was too busy being like, what the fuck is going on? Oh, the nicknames are the best part. The nicknames, as as Jenny said, it's a uh, cool hand Angelo uh, uh, Parker, right? Okay. No, 
Wait, what's 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 the other one's name? Matt Menard. Jeff, Jeff, no, no, no. What, Jeff uh, Parker is Angelo Parker and Matt Lee okay. is Matt Menard. Okay. So it's so it's uh Cool Hand Angelo Parker mm-hmm. and Daddy Magic Matt Menard. Got a penis. What? <laughs> Daddy Magic, come on. All he's trying to do is say I have a penis. What? <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand that leap, but are you thinking like Daddy Magic is Magic Mike and penises? Well, I, I assume Daddy Magic means some sort of sexual reference, uh, like bed type reference. When, and he's just trying to pe- get people to talk about his peen. A bed type reference. So, so <laughs> my, my main issue with this is that like his whole thing is like everybody's going to use their real names. And it's funny that. Matt Lee and Jeff Parker are not using their real names. And also that Chris Jericho is not using his real name, but you still have two guys who are using their real names. So I think, it, I think, I think uh, Garcia and Hager both need to change their names too. Yeah, for sure. So, so I didn't go, I was going to Google this and then I was like, I'm too tired. So what, so are Angelo Parker and Matt Menard just other wrestling names? Is that is that where we have landed? Because I don't know anything about them. Okay, you know what? It might actually be their real names. Oh shit! Okay, Angelo from Jeff to Angelo—that's a leap. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Well, I like the nicknames. I think it's weird that. I, I, now I think it's weird that Jericho made the big point about people using their real names because that is not his real name. I no. assumed it was his real name. You assume Chris Jericho was his real name? Yeah. Really? Yeah. <laughs> is his name Chris? Yeah, his name's Chris, but I think it's Irvine, right? Okay. Irvine. I thought I thought yeah. it was Chris. Um, I had no idea that wasn't his real name. Yeah. Do you think that you he... Gotta... No, do you think he made uh, Matt and Jeff change their name because there's already a Another Matt and Jeff now in the in the another tag team with Matt and Jeff. I maybe. I mean that came up on BTE this week. I know, and I was like, it's it's not WWE, so I would assume they know their fans can tell the difference between one Matt and Jeff and the other Matt and Jeff, but I mean we well, got Adam got, Cole doesn't think so. We got two wheelers in this company for God's sakes. Yeah, ser- seriously. <laughs> what two wheelers? Cash Wheeler and Wheeler Yuta. Yeah. You can tell them apart because they look nothing alike. Much like Matt and Jeff don't look like Matt and Jeff Hardy. But you never know. Matt and Angelo, huh? Yeah. Okay, well. Your mileage may vary, but I thought this whole thing was amazing. <laughs> I, I I, mean, I thought it was really funny. Um, the, the point kind of was like, like. So Jericho is is kind of um, stepping out and saying, I'm not a wrestler. I'm a sports oh, entertainer. I thought the part before that was was better. I liked when he went around and had each person in the jazz group say why they appreciated him. <laughs> I loved that. I thought that was awesome. Well, no, didn't... He, he said why he, he liked he them. Told, he told everyone, like why they appreciated him no 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 they started off with the one guy on the left not hager 
talking about why he appreciates Daddy magic. <laughs> I don't want to talk about I, something. I can't. I have a penis. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, like, and then he stopped talking, and then the one on the other side, who wasn't Daniel Garcia, started talking. Cool hand. Yeah. And about how he much appreciated Jericho. And then Jericho took the mic and talked about why everyone should appreciate him, which was, I don't know, a little bit less funny, but I liked, I liked, I liked the appreciation. I liked that we got a Kevin Owens reference and that uh, I was reminded that Chris Jericho uh, is a big GoFundMe guy, which I think is, is like one of the more charming things about his personality. (laughs) Not Wait. that he asked people to fund him, but that he supports other GoFundMe. He supports lots of like wrestler injury GoFundMe. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, that part was good. Um, I wasn't, I couldn't tell if the story he said about the car wreck was actually like I couldn't tell if he was manufacturing that to to have a connection to them or if that was true. But if true, solid. Like, no, no that's true. It's definitely true. Okay, good. Well, I just, I mean, I don't care if he's GoFundMeing like in, other injured wrestlers and trying to weave that story, um, just so long as he's doing because that's really nice. Um, it's funny I did, though, like I, it's, this didn't occur to me, but when he was talking about that part of it, he did. He started off by saying January sixth, and everybody on Twitter was like, "Oh no, Jericho!" I resurrection. Yes, fine. Wow. Uh, I really liked, though, when he was like, he announced he was a sports entertainer and then Daniel Garcia looked like he was he was about to push back <laughs> a little on that. And he goes, Jericho, I just got to say, if you're a sports entertainer, I'm a sports entertainer. <laughs> and I was like, fuck, <laughs> this is turning into something insane and wonderful. And I love it. Uh, so, yeah, I and they look like a boy band again. Daniel Garcia looks like. Um, the boy band member who's like, I could do a rap if he wanted me to, but that's not our primary genre. The, no, that's like the the talk rap. Yeah, yeah, the white. He's like the guy boys rap. to men talker. Yeah, but like not as good. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know. He's never tried. Maybe we'll see one day. I, I guarantee you, Daniel Garcia has tried to rap. <laughs> That change says he's at least rap curious. <laughs> <laughs> so this, I thought this was cool because it was like, it was almost like a parody of the second episode of dynamite with the big introduction of the inner circle yep. promo. I, yep. I really liked this actually. Yeah. And I they, think jazz is a stupid name. No, it's great. <laughs> well, it's they, so good. they announced like he ended it by being like Jake Hager. Tell the people who we are. And he's like, we are jazz. And we're here to beat up pro wrestlers. <laughs> really good. The era of the sports entertainment has begun. Everyone yeah. has been warned. So. <laughs> I, I'm wondering, like, with this mission statement that they've put out there, who do you think is going to be their first um, pro wrestler target or group that they're targeting? Like, like. Oh, it's got to be Kingston and Proud and Powerful. St- oh, they're not letting it go. Okay. I don't think so. I don't I, like if if Eddie and Santana Trees come back and don't go after them right away. Like, what are we? You know, like that would I think that would be a bad look. Uh, do you think this is gonna get them pulled from DraftKings? 
<laughs> what? Because they're sports, sports entertainment, not, not pro wrestling. Oh, no, DraftKings is way in bed with WWE, too. <laughs> DraftKings so weird. Yeah, you're right. But in that case, uh, Kingston and Proud and Powerful would be the instigators. I just wondered if, you know, they had, like, like on their agenda, like, these this group or these people are too pro-wrestlery and we have to put a stop to that. I don't know. I'm probably thinking thinking too much about that, but I think they uh, they ended up being a lot more entertaining than I assumed they would be when they first formed. So, mm-hmm. we'll see. Jericho got some, like, highlight thing. It's like, He's 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 about to go frosted tips for the boy band. I all I could think when I saw him was like like Andy saying Andy and Justin being like he's looking good these days. And I thought when they got a close up of him, I was like, oh, damn, he is looking like a distinguished. He's got some gray in his beard, but whatever he's doing, whatever gym he's hitting, whatever diet he's on, he He's looking like he's living his best life. Yeah. Good for him. (sighs) So after that, I want to say we take a hard left turn. We're going to go from like light and funny to intense. Serena Deeb, she hates Sheeta, and uh, (laughs) she wants us all to know it. She is... uh, just like enraged, but also flattered, I guess, because she's like, Sheeta, here you thought about me a lot during your injury rehab, and uh, I just can't wait to see how much you think about me after I end your career. And she's just kidding stuff um, backstage where she is. So uh, I think I think she's very scary these days. Agreed. Yeah. Totally. I liked her shirt though. Oh yeah, the the professor shirt. Mm-hmm. Would, yeah, yeah. No, she's um she's very cool. I just I feel like she's gonna try to kill Hikaru Shida. I love Serena Deves. I think she's great, and I'm up for this continued rivalry. Now, has she become your favorite in the rivalry? Because I thought Shida was. Ooh. Well, I've always thought um, Serena Deeb was the best wrestler on their roster. I always liked Sheeta, like the character, mm-hmm. more, but um, Serena's definitely the better wrestler. And we haven't gotten a lot of Sheeta's character the last couple months because she's been in Japan. She left, yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I guess either one can win me over now. <laughs> okay, doors open. Step up, ladies. (laughs) Well, there is another lady that I think is taking a spot in your heart, and that lady is Paige Van Zandt, and she comes into play in the next segment. Uh, We've got Wardlow up against Scorpio Sky in a TNT Championship title match, and uh, (laughs) Scorpio Sky remains our TNT champion, but... uh, it's it's due to some shenanigans, mostly um, due to just flat out cheating by MJF, who shows up. Uh, so like Scorpio and and Wardlow are having their match, and uh, at the end of it, Paige Van Zant she 
she comes into play. Wardlow's on the outside, and she steps in front of him and sort of tries to challenge him a little bit. And he he does that um, titty bounce at her, and I hate it. I don't I don't like that as like a <laughs> I don't like that as like a no. Thing. And you better watch out, or he'll uh, break his peck, restrain his peck like uh, Triple H did when he was doing it. <laughs> I don't think that's what caused it. I that. think that's what caused it. Wow. In <laughs> Nobody... my mind, that's what caused him to, <laughs> to sprain his pec. Nobody should do that as another person. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a weird, uh, I hate it. So <laughs> Wardlow does that as if to say, like, all right. And then um, Austin Vanderford, as if he's needed in this, <laughs> he steps up to defend his wife, who I think is fully capable. And then Wardlow yeah, sets him up for a powerbomb. Yeah. And um, and he's way out of his league. He totally is. Sorry, Austin <laughs> Vanderford. Unless you're like really nice and funny, maybe I, I don't know. Yeah, which yeah, he might have a great personality, um, but but just like he shallow. He doesn't have a great personality. That's fair. Well, Paige Van Zant's married to him, so I guess that's the silver lining of his his life um so. yeah she did not need him to like step in there like no. did not no but that that serves to allow you know scorpio to dive on him and then while this is happening also um sean spears walks down the ramp he's got two metal chairs in his hand this would distracts wardlow and then the fact that he's distracted allows mjf to run in from the outside, punch him with the diamond ring, and that that knocks him out to the point where Scorpio can roll him up. And that's how Scorpio gets the win. Um, again. Because it looks like our boy War Dog is gonna do that Power Bomb Symphony on Scorpio. The crowd is dying for it. They want it. The first time Wardlow finally gets to a Power Bomb on Scorpio, because it was teased throughout, they freak out. And then when he gets to, like, the fourth one, they're like, yes, and this. Um, and then that's when this happens, is before Wardlow can complete his symphony. So it's very upsetting for fans of the war dog. But yeah. Um, and naturally, after the match, because of all this interference, uh, Austin Vanderford once again gets in there where he doesn't need to be, and he starts ground and pounding Wardlow. And then MJF jumps in the ring and he just is like watching happily. Um, Scorpio holds Wardlow up so that Spears can set up to hit him with the chair. And uh, that's when Wardlow breaks free. He grabs MJF and sets him up for a power bomb and he would get it except Sean Spears hits Wardlow in the back with the chair. And then uh, MJF hands Dan Lambert and company an envelope for full of cash before they walk away just to like really show that he's, he's, the one who's responsible for this. And uh, MJF clocks Wardlow again with the ring before standing over him and screaming, this was your call. So Very rude. What a dick, you know? Yeah. yeah. Very rude. Um, but I, li- I liked this whole presentation. I thought this, this served everything that they needed to do pretty well. I don't think Scorpio really loses much nope. from this, and, and Wardlow certainly doesn't. So, nope. Yeah. I think he's going to need to kill MJF. There were also CM Punk chants. And uh, unfortunately, Punk did not 
come out to answer them, but I really would have liked for Punk to make an appearance and like, I don't know. I want Punk and Wardlow to pal around. I don't know why. I just think they'd be a fun group. It makes sense though that, uh, you know, nobody likes Wardlow because of who he's been working for the last almost like, like two and a half years. It's true. I mean, if you work for an asshole, it's hard to, to not get lumped in with him. It's interesting that like this was two weeks in a row, no CM Punk on this show after such a big win, you know? Yeah, but he's making his transformation, you know? I guess. He's like somewhere in his cocoon. He's going to spring so forth you, evil. So what do you figure? Do you figure Cole and Paige do a rematch at some dynamite in the near future? And then we see CM Punk return at that point to challenge to be the next challenger. Yeah, I think so. He did, the, he did the belt thing after he won it, the pay-per-view. <laughs> yeah, everybody, you know, everybody does that belt thing. But I do think he, you know, why wouldn't he want it? Especially if he's turning evil. He doesn't need to face Max anymore. He's defeated him. So... That would be a good time. And I think it would be a surprise. Well, not for the people that do the wrestle math, but I think it would be one of those upsetting moments where Adam Page wins over Adam Cole and then, you know, his victory is ruined by the fact that CM Punk is a bad man. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to do it the same night, but I'm just saying, like, I, I would think that Punk would then be the next, probably the challenger for double or nothing is what I would guess. Yeah, I hope so. I don't want them to drag out the coal thing anymore. No. We'll see, though. We'll see. We get a super brief interview with Jade Cargill. Mark Sterling's with her. Um, Jade essentially just wants to know who's ready to step up for the opportunity to be her 30th win on that bitch show. <laughs> We'll find. I guess we'll find out when it happens too, because they did not say anyone at this time. No, they're just keeping her. You know, like I think it's good. It's just it's just like the um, the Serena D promo. You know, you just you just you spend like forty five seconds and you keep someone fresh in your in, in everybody's mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So after that, there are a lot of women's storylines in the company right now. Well, thank God. Get them out there. There are like four that I can think of off the top of my head. So that's pretty good. That's really good. I yeah, I'm excited. Happy to see it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Um <laughs> the next thing on the agenda <laughs> is private party up against the Hardy Boys. This is so fun. Okay, see, that's, see, okay, my takeaway was I'm not the person this match was intended for as someone who never watched the Hardys in their prime. I think nostalgia is a hell of a drug, and uh, that played a huge part in this because, for me, I think the Hardys are showing their age, and that's fine. That's fine. You know, like, I don't, I don't want that to be, like, the criticism, but, like, I could not get as jazzed as the audience was for this when the Hardys were doing their thing 
at a glacial place, pace and uh, Private Party was mocking them with their own moves but done at the right pace. And I was like, they should they should win this match, but I know they won't because that's not the point of this match. But um, I was like, oh, goodness. Them Hardy Boys be walking <laughs> real slow. Okay, but on the other hand, it was so fun. I I mean, I guess I <laughs> I just was like, ooh, it's I don't know, like they they don't move the way they used to, and that's expected, but also they don't move very fast. No, I get it. I get it. I understand. I understand it's not going to be for everyone, but for the people it's for, I think it's I think it's working very well. Oh, the crowd was fucking wild for it. And that's why I was like, yep, this is not for me because I don't I don't have the years of nostalgia and build up. I don't care about Jeff Hardy. <laughs> I, I don't really care about Matt Hardy and the fact that they're reteaming as a Hardy Brothers tag team. I just thought like, ooh, Sting moves better, huh? And that was when I knew that I needed to check out. It's <laughs> 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 like, ooh, it's tough, tough times. Jeff, Jeff looked like he killed uh, Cassidy with the swanton, like just landed right on him. To me, he looked like he landed on his head and then on to Cassidy. See, this is, it's like we were watching different matches. Mm. And that's okay, because I get it. But, but man, I was like, please don't land on your head, sir. Jenny, how did you feel? I, I don't have any nostalgia for the Hardy brothers um andy said that i probably would have liked them in their prime because they were really flippy and innovative um i don't know that that's the case now i bet the whole AEW roster is so fucking hype though i will say that i'm sure because they like idolize them yes and there was something on AEW with that as we said earlier um so yeah like not the match for me but I figured Andy would be here to rep the crowd and the probably, I I don't know, probably wrestling Twitter. I, I don't know. Wrestling Twitter probably loved it. Uh, my perfectly curated timeline did. <laughs> and that's the key. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, Jeff, I mean, obviously got to pin Isaiah because he did a swanton bomb. He He did the Jeff Hardy, like, Highlight reel. And and the crowd loved it. And that's what we were here for. Um, after the match, Andrade and the rest of the AFO walk out and surround the ring menacingly. Um, and then at that point, Darby's music hits. <clears throat> and he and Sting walk out casually, I'll say. But they walk out, they get in the ring, and they they provide support to the Hardy brothers. and uh, And that's enough to make the AFO retreat. So, loose alliance there. Darby still is confusing to, like, try to interpret his looks. But I assume, you know, he's there to help. I'm just here to help. (laughs) Well, tis the season. So, yeah. So, after that, Tony Schiavone is, uh, is interviewing Red Velvet. She is... Really mad. In front of wood paneling. Yeah. I don't know where they are, but. <laughs> Fancy. Maybe so, they're in the Alamo. 
<laughs> oh my god, I would love if they just went to the Alamo to do like a random Tony Schiavone Red Velvet interview. Because it's very straightforward. Uh, nobody interrupts. Red Velvet's like, I thought Layla was my friend. Turns out she's not, and I'm pretty mad about it. So, gonna fight her. Um, which makes sense. But yeah, with that, we go to the main event. I've already gotten kind of an idea of where Jenny stands on this one, but um, here we go. Thunder Rosa is up against Dr. Britt Baker in a steel cage match for that AEW Women's World Championship. Thunder Rosa is on her home turf. Thunder Rosa gets a all-women's mariachi band to sort of... You knew she was winning. She had to. When this happened, yeah. It was great. I loved it. Um, but according to the announcers, and I'll fully believe them, this is the first women's steel cage match in AEW. It also seems to be the first steel cage match where they have left enough space around the ring between the ring and the cage that like you can get, you can still get under the cage or under the ring to access things like chairs and thumbtacks. And that comes up, (laughs) So this is a really intense uh, match. Lots of violence. Um, Britain, Thunderosa both bleed, although not as much as they did, I think, in their um, Lights Out match. But after Brit, like after the bell rings and Brit's first move is to try to escape the cage, uh, things get underway and they just start beating the shit out of each other. And I don't know, I, I liked it. It was kind of fun. I liked it too. I thought it was I thought it was pretty brutal in spots, but I uh I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the it was felt visceral. Yes, yes. I and I JR asked a question and I had to agree with it. Uh he said when Britt pulled out the thumbtacks, somebody tell me why we need thumbtacks under the ring. <laughs> and I thought, You're right, JR. No, he was right on that. He was wrong on several of his other comments during the match. Yep. Yep. I don't remember the first one, and it was the worst one. Um, Megan, did you happen to write those down? I didn't, because here's how I knew it was going to be a tough night for JR. <laughs> I think in, like, the first match, he I think he's feeling the heat of Twitter, maybe, the same way Jericho was. Because uh, he said something, and I didn't catch his original comment, but then he sort of saltily said to Tony, oops, I used a pronoun there. And I was like, uh-oh, that's not good. That's probably yeah. not good. <laughs> it's probably not a good attitude. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. That's, um, so Vince McMahon hates pronouns. Oh, okay. Uh, he just, he doesn't like them in uh, promos or commentary. So if you use a pronoun in your promo or on commentary, he'll, uh, you'll get a talking to. So I'm guessing that that's what that was. I'm mm. guessing he was just, that was like an inside joke about Vince. Good Lord. What a psychopath. <laughs> well, another reason why, uh, he's probably Jones in to get, um, Jade Cargill that bitches instead of like my or her or pronouns. <laughs> Vince is like, but I don't know. I remember he said something, I can't remember his first comment, but it really upset me. And then his second one was something about how they used to play with Barbie dolls. Oh, like, yeah. With this, 
But there was something that was worse than that as the first comment. And I can't, I wish, I wish I'd written it down. I didn't. He said something about when, when I think when Brett was like building the chair structure, uh, he said something about housekeeping. Oh, yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. It's like, yeah. I just kind of like, want to say to JR, like, like the Barbie doll thing, it's like, that's insulting, but also, okay, I get it. I get what generation you come from. Um, but at this point, maybe just think, like, if I'm saying something that uh, is just, like, reflecting on a specific gender as a whole, you know, any kind of stereotype, maybe just, like, reconsider. <laughs> yeah. Just... Just think those thoughts silently to yourselves, Jr. Because Tony, the Barbie doll thing, Tony followed up and was like, I, I think both of them were beaten up Barbie dolls as a kid. And I was like, okay, there you go. It's like, uh, we don't we don't have to assume things about how girls grew up or how boys grew up. It's 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 fine. We can just move fast. Yeah. Anytime there are two ladies fighting, it's a little precarious for Jr. I think. Yep. <laughs> But yeah, uh, this match I I thought was really good. E- even with the blood, I thought these two were really cool. Thunder Rose was really cool. Um, at one point, Britt accidentally super kicked Paul Turner, the ref, and uh, and then Thunder Rosa ran into him and knocked him off the side. So uh, they had to bring in a new ref. And Jenny, I think you called it, Aubrey Edwards was the ref that made it to the ring. And Conspiracy. I think. Yeah, I think this is probably going to cause Britt some anguish, um, even though Aubrey didn't. Britt got in her face and Aubrey legitimately responded, but I don't think there were any shenanigans beyond that. She did push her. I mean, Britt could say that she like threw out her shoulder because of the push. Well, you know, you can't get in a ref's face, Britt. I mean, that's just <laughs> got in her face. So this this is sure to come back to haunt her on. It is. I thought I thought this match was really good, other than the blood. Of course. And that happened I really early. I loved how Britt was, like, clearly building a fort that yeah. was unstable with all of those chairs. Oh, my God. And when she went through them, they didn't crumble. I know. Thank God it was unstable. Otherwise, she wouldn't have fallen down to the ground at all. I know. I'm like, oh, God, those chairs are too sturdy for her for her to go through. I know. Uh, but yeah. I always feel bad when when um, the tables like like in the same kind of thing when the tables don't break. Yep. It's, yeah. It's, it happens a lot with women. Wasn't it Penelope the like during that match against the bunny with the blood and stuff, and she tried to put her through a table, and they both just sort of bounced off it. Yeah, that's rough. Oh. They gotta gimmick those tables, man. But I mean, I I I think Thunderous is awesome. She, I mean, what a star! Yes, yeah. What a perfect place to do this. What an amazing reaction! That entrance, the the crowd, doing it you know, like bringing back the cage for the first time since uh, I guess I guess September with the the Bucks and Lucha Brothers. Mm. Uh, yeah, this was great. I think, and I think. You know, I think people were bummed out a little bit after she didn't win at uh, the pay-per-view. But honestly, that show was so long and so full of great matches. 
I think it's going to stand out a lot more as the featured thing on a big special dynamite than on like than in the, mm. than smack in the middle of a pay-per-view. No, that's a good point. Yeah, there was so much going on in that pay-per-view. It it would have gotten lost in the shuffle. Yeah. And San Antonio was like here for Thunder. Like they were hyped. They were loud from the start. And uh, yeah, and Thunder Rosa cried when she won. She clearly was very emotional. Dustin Rhodes came out. Do they have something like? Did he train her? Like, he? I mean, he works with all the all the women. Okay. uh, Pretty extensively, from what I understand. Okay. But, you know, also, he's just another, he's from Texas, too, so. Well, he came out and he hugged her, and they seemed like they, they had, like, a, you know, that, that bond of yeah mentee-mentor sort of deal, so. It was just a very touching moment, and she seems so happy to have, like, earned that, so. Good for her. hmm So that was Dynamite in San Antonio, Texas. That was dynamite, yeah. Um, we, we're coming pretty short here, so actually, let me let me just try to bring up the rampage, uh, so we can just kind of. We haven't even finished our bottle. At least preview the uh, the show. That's how you know the show's not going long enough. Jenny's like only halfway through that champagne. Well, Andy did have a couple of glasses, so I no, I only have like I don't have that much left. <laughs> I have a whole box. Welcome to my lifestyle. I'm having trouble finding it. Um, I tried the box wine. You tried the wrong box wine. I know. I told. I told our. Uh, I told six point four that, and uh, and he said that uh, he'll find some drier box wine for us. Take that into consideration. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Okay, I've got the lineup. Okay. All right. For Rampage tomorrow night, uh, or tonight, depending on when you're listening to this, uh, it's Bear Country and Fuego del Sol versus the House of Black. It is Darby Allen versus The Butcher. Hmm. It's legit Layla Hirsch versus Red Velvet, which, of course, we did get a promo for. And the main event is Max Caster versus Keith Lee, which we got, like, multiple promos for, really. Yeah. Although they claimed we're confused in theirs. Yeah. Did they did they announce anything for Wednesday? Did they announce anything for Dynamite next week? I don't think so. But you know me, I'm I'm bad at that aspect of it. Yeah, I don't either. But anyway, so that should be that should be a fun show. Uh I think they're in Boston, maybe? Oh, I hope we get more of just the the violent team beating up young people. Yes, well, I'm sure there'll be there'll be a bunch of matches matches announced tomorrow night during the uh, the rampage event, if nothing else. True. Yeah, eleven thirty Eastern after the basketball. Oh no, they're still in they're still in Texas, Cedar Park, Texas. That sounds familiar. I think they've run there before. Okay. Does that mean they're filming just a rampage? No, they're doing oh. dynamite and rampage. Oh, okay. So Boston is two weeks. 
Nope, I'm crazy. Apparently, Boston's three weeks away. Oh, okay. <laughs> March 30th in Columbia, South Carolina. Then April 6th in Boston. Mm. April 13th in New Orleans. April 15th for a Battle of the Belts in Garland, Texas. Back to Texas. Oh, shit. Uh, That's a lot of Texas. Yeah. And April 20th in Pittsburgh. April 27th in Philly. May 4th, Baltimore, Maryland. May 11th, Elmont, New York. Oh, that's back at that uh, that arena that they ran like on Long the the Max the where MJF got the first the babyface entrance. Oh yeah 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 okay interesting. Yeah. Why do they keep going to the Northeast? Uh, they're doing well there. May eighteenth in Houston, and then then it's uh then it's Vegas time, and then that big uh that big West Coast swing finally, after all this time. Took them long enough. It did take him long enough, Megan. Any uh, Cody news? Because I thought that the Raw was in Jacksonville this week, and he it didn't was. premiere there. No Cody news. Everybody, all the all the reporter types are still saying that he is, like, Cody versus Seth Rollins is still penciled in as a WrestleMania match. Hmm. I, I continue to be so cute. I wa- to be a fly on the wall. I want to know what his demands are. Like I, <laughs> I want to know what he's asking for. I want to know if it's insane, but also like on some level, it's like it's Cody. So why not go for something? Why not aim for the go big show? Yeah, why, aim high and just <laughs> there are <negotiate> down. <laughs> there are two raws uh, before WrestleMania at this point. So. I mean, unless they're going to do a thing where he like where Seth Rollins just is in the ring at WrestleMania and says, I don't have an opponent. And then Cody Rhodes, like <laughs> surprise debuts. Um, I guess they could do that. They could. That would be. I mean, honestly, in some ways, that would be more interesting because then you're like, it'd be exciting. Yeah. You don't really know what's going to happen. Till you till it happens. So, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So, I don't know. I I, exp- I expect that he'll wrestle Seth, and and I agree with you, Megan. I would love to read like a book on the last three months of Cody Rhodes' life, just <laughs> as things kind of fell apart with AEW and then his negotiations with WWE. I want to know all of it. Well, we might get to see a reality show about it. Hey, maybe. It's it's Rhodes to the top. Are they have they retained the rights to that somehow? I don't know. I mean, maybe he could get one with USA. Totally. If not, I, mean, I would watch it. I mean, give me like the roads less traveled. <laughs> uh, you can you can do so much with that name. Come on. Yeah. I just you I want to know. I I have no right. I just want to know. You don't need a right. It's fine. I know. I just want to acknowledge that it's none of my business. But also, like, if somebody sat down like a pile of papers and was like. This is Cody Rhodes's business. You could uh, choose the path of like a good person and walk away from it. I'd be like, no, I need to. I, I would grab it like a gremlin and just just leaf through it like a, you know, like it fed me. <sighs> I guess before we go, I do want to mention that uh, that unfortunately Scott Hall did pass away. Uh, I believe it happened. Uh, he was taken off life support. 
late Sunday night, early uh, Monday morning, and he passed away, I believe, Monday afternoon. So it's sad. It's unfortunate. Um, I was very surprised to not see a graphic on Dynamite, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe they... This is a weird thought, but can they not, like, put up his picture? Is that, like, a WWE... I'm sure that there are, like, public domain photos of Scott Hall that they could use, you know, to create a graphic. (laughs) You'd think, I don't know, WWE is litigious, and, and they are one of their main enemies at this point. I just wasn't sure if there was, like... Did WWE say, like, put up something at least? Yeah, they they um they did a graphic and they put together a little video. Um, I think I think I think they're gonna hopefully do something more extensive on SmackDown because dude, I just don't think they had a lot of lead time. So they what they did was I think they used um, a video that they played for one of his Hall of Fame inductions and then mm-hmm. just like and changed the voiceovers. Um, but I think I think hopefully they're gonna do something a little more you know special for him uh friday because re- i mean realistically he is like a really big figure in the past you know 30 years of pro wrestling yeah yeah you know. definitely mm-hmm. yeah but anyway uh so sorry to go out on that bummer of a note but uh <laughs> anyway we'll be back uh next week to talk uh rampage and dynamite and uh yeah until then take care Spike your hair. And uh, (laughs) for Megan and for Jenny, I'm Andy. Thanks for listening to the Elite Beat. Elite Beat. Elite Beat.